the manufacturer of a product knows how best it is supposed to function. And that is why every manufacturer includes a manual to teach users how to get the best out of his product. God manufactured the first marriage when he brought Eve to Adam and he created it for your good. But when you don't have time to pay attention to his manual or his instructions, you may find yourself experiencing preventable hardships in your relationship. I'm Wonola, and here in Courtship and Marriage, we are committed to giving you godly advice from scriptures that is sure to make your relationship as good and successful as God intended it to be. Follow this podcast to stay updated with godly wisdom that will help you build a successful relationship. Today, I would like to share with you about unfulfilled expectations in marriage. First, I would like to read from James chapter 4, verse 1, and this is the New International Version. It says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Unfulfilled expectations is the leading cause of dissatisfaction unhappiness and resentment in marriage and like we just saw in this scripture the desires that battle within us causes fights and quarrels amongst us not necessarily what the person has done or has not done but much more how what they are doing or not doing affects us so unfulfilled expectations can crash or lead to the crash of any happy marriage and to help us to further understand this topic i would like to make an analogy from two followers of jesus and how they dealt with the expectations that they had of him the first one is in luke chapter 7 verse 17 to 22 now these scriptures are not outrightly marriage scriptures so to say but i believe that in the whole of the bible we can always glean something that can help us in our marriage we can always learn something that can help us in our marriage even if it was not specifically talking about marriage and that is where the rema of god's word comes in right so luke chapter 7 verse 17 this is the story about john the baptist and jesus Verse 17 says, And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. This rumor was talking about the healing that Jesus did of the centurion's servant and of the widow's son. Verse 18, And the disciples of John showed him all of these things, still referring to those healings. And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are thou he that should come, or look we for another? When the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist had sent us unto thee, saying, Are thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits and unto many that were blind he gave sight then jesus answering said unto them go your way and tell john 
what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. To the poor, the gospel is preached. And verse 23 says, And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, let's look at this story and with a little bit of perspective. John the Baptist was the one that preached the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he is very well aware that Jesus is the Savior. And also, he can see and hear about the miracles and the testimonies, the healings, the deliverances, the dead rising, the lame walking, evil spirits being cast out. But he could not see Jesus saving him. He could see Jesus saving others, but he was not experiencing Jesus saving him because he was in prison. Therefore, he overgeneralized, like many of us do. We take one thing that we are not seeing and decide that because of this one thing, every other thing is bad. So then he said, are you he that should come or should we look for another? For many of those people that were saved, Jesus was the savior. But because he was not saving John from the prison where John was, John decided that to ask him or to accuse him, are you really the savior? So I believe that this is how unfulfilled expectations manifest in our marital relationship. It is important to note that unfulfilled expectation doesn't mean your spouse is doing nothing. It only means your spouse isn't doing something in particular that you expect of them. So it doesn't mean that they are not doing anything at all. It just means that one thing you expect or a few things you expect are not being done. Therefore, when your expectations aren't being met and you're feeling dissatisfied in your relationship, the first place to check is actually yourself it is not a question of what he or she is not doing it is first a question of what do i want or what do i need because the fact that this person is not doing something that you want doesn't mean this person is not doing anything at all <laughs> right they're not just sleeping and waking up and watching tv even if that's what they are doing at least they are present right so it's not that this person is not doing anything at all the question is they are not doing something or some things that you need because in actual fact you don't expect your spouse to do everything nobody expects their spouse to be to be whole in all you already know that your spouse will have some weaknesses but there are some core things that you need there are some things that you feel that you feel actually are crucial to your happiness that they are not doing right because nobody expects their spouse to be a successful footballer and a successful doctor and a successful lawyer like you, you get what i'm trying to picture i'm trying to paint nobody expects their spouse to be everything we just want them to meet the basic needs that we desire right so it's not a question of what he or she is not doing first first don't look at what they're not doing try to think about 
what do you want what do you need focusing on what your spouse is not doing blinds you to all that they are actually doing for example a classic scenario is somebody who is married to a spouse that is working to provide takes care of chores is trying hard to be a good parent but this person doesn't lead the family in prayer or share scripture now this one thing that he's not doing becomes the spouse's major source of frustration that you lose sight or disregard or fail to appreciate what he's actually doing another scenario can be a wife who is good with the kids cooks meals is working to provide but maybe is not as fashion conscious or fashionable you know as other people are and then this spouse feels dissatisfied Oh, if my wife can just dress up like that, if my wife can just, you know, just an example. So it's not as if this spouse is not doing anything. They're just not doing something that you need, right? So, and when you focus on that part of them that is a weakness or is a feeling, then you lose sight of all the other good things that they are. And you fail to appreciate those good things that they have. Be mindful also that focusing on what your spouse is not doing also blinds you to what you are not doing. And therefore, it limits your room for growth and improvement. It limits your ability to see solutions because you are also blinded to what you're not doing that can actually make the situation better. Because you are ascribing the whole fault to him, you are inadvertently taking on a victim mentality. In other words, you're saying, my world will be perfect if only you can do this, if only you can be that way. And no mortal man should have that responsibility or even that power over you. By focusing on what your spouse is not doing, you absolve yourself of all responsibilities to find a solution or way forward. Your unconscious mentality becomes the fault lies with him or the fault lies with her. Therefore, only him can fix it or only him should fix it. He is responsible for fixing it. If he changes, then things will be fine. If he does not change, then things will stay this way. So you have absorbed yourself of all responsibilities. You have absorbed yourself of the responsibility to find a solution or a way forward and you have given up on happiness or joy in your marriage. Marriage is a covenant partnership. Therefore, no single person in that union is no one person is responsible for the success or failure of it. Each has a role to play. I'll say that again. Marriage is a covenant partnership. No one person in the union is absolutely responsible for the success or failure of it. Each has a role to play. If your marriage succeeds, both of you are involved in making it succeed. If your marriage fails, 
both of you are responsible for seeing it fail. Our marriage will therefore only work. Our marriage will only work if my partner begins to do this or if my partner stops doing that is a mentality that eventually leads to a failed marriage. Therefore, if you don't want your marriage to fail, hone up to the role you have to play in its success. Take responsibility over it. I remember a statement I heard from a man of God that said, if one person in the marriage is still interested in making it work, if one person in the marriage is still praying for the marriage, then God still has a chance to step into the situation and turn it around. So if you don't want your marriage to fail, take responsibility over it. Blame casting is a skill that we've mastered from childhood. We see young children as little as five, as little as six, saying, oh, she did it, he did it. You know, blame casting is a skill that we've all mastered from childhood. Therefore, it takes a conscious effort to stop ourselves and ask, how am I contributing to this unfulfilled expectation? How am I contributing to this negative situation? How can I be better? What can I do to make a difference? This doesn't absolve your spouse of his or her fault. This doesn't mean that your spouse has nothing to work on. This is just you taking responsibility and control over yourself because you're the only one that you can, it's only you that you can control. So take responsibility and control over yourself to make things better. Nobody, not even your spouse, should have the right to make you a certain negative way. Don't say, oh, I became like this because he or she wasn't doing this or because he or she is doing that. That right should be reserved for you and God alone. Only you should decide how you act. Only you should decide how you are, the attitude you will have, the perspective you would have. Only you should have that power over yourself, not your spouse. So therefore, focus on what you can actually do. Focus on who you can control to make things better. That is one perspective that you need to have to make unfulfilled expectations become fulfilled. That is the first place to begin, to take your eyes away from what that person is not doing to what you can do to make the situation better. Now, I know that just as we are different, our marriages are different and there is no one size fits all. Therefore, if you think that this does not apply to your personal situation, please go ahead and seek further counsel and seek counsel whereby the, count, the advice given will be tailored specifically to deal with your unique situation. But I believe that you would have heard something today that will stir up a desire in you to take responsibility over your marriage and stop laying all the blame, all the fault, all the control at the feet of your spouse. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. 
Thank you for listening. I'm grateful for the privilege to be a blessing to you. What will you remember from today's episode? Take a minute to record it as a voice message or type it in the comments. Doing this helps you to be conscious of the changes you're going to make in your relationship and it encourages others to listen and transform their relationships as well. So it's a win-win. Don't hold back. Let's do this together. Leave a comment now. God bless you.